0: Hey, welcome to the Swabino Live Show presented by Ogeo Power Sports and FMF Racing. I'm Don Maeda and today I'm joined by my buddy Thomas Covington, or Big Air Tom, right? <laughs> <laughs> so hey, welcome to the show. Um, I first met Thomas in, what did we say, 2013 or
1: yeah, so? Yeah, I think 2011, 12, probably.
0: Yeah, so uh, I met you when we were, I was at Milestone, I remember it. And Johnny O was training you, Johnny O'Mara. Yep. And he came up to me, he's like, hey, Don. Neat Thomas, this guy's gonna be a big deal someday, pretty soon, but <laughs> uh, yeah. So ever since then, you know, I've like really enjoyed following your career and uh, it was exciting to me to watch you go race in Europe instead mm. of taking the normal Supercross route. So yeah. um, I guess, man, how, how did that choice come about to go to, go overseas?
1: Yeah, like I said, Johnny was uh, really good to me. It's like, you know, second dad to me there for a couple of years, um, basically taught me a lot of what I know about training and everything and uh, yeah, and then we were just basically training to get ready to go outdoors. I was going mm-hmm. with Kawasaki, um, you know, Hangtown was going to be my pro debut. Then uh, an opportunity came about to do the first three GPs over. It's kind of like as a warm up for uh, for the outdoor series coming up mm-hmm. in America. So I was like, yeah, why not? Like first three rounds were uh, Qatar, Brazil, and uh, Thailand
0: all so the I like, flyaway races
1: yeah so I was like oh that'd be sick so um went over there and ended up doing really well i got third in one moto first race and then uh the kawasaki team over there was like hey would you ever think about staying like we mm-hmm. really want you on the team so um yeah you know, i spoke to kawasaki back here and everything and i told them that i was interested in doing it and somehow we were able to work it out and you know keep my contract and mm-hmm. went over there and uh, i think it's one of the best decisions I made.
0: Yeah, so instead of going the normal like glitz and glamour of Supercross that way everyone does, like deciding to go to Europe instead, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like not a choice that most young up and coming guys would make, right? Because everyone looks to Supercross as where they eventually want to be. But uh, what was it about the GPs that that, uh, was attractive to you?
1: I don't know, I mean, I guess I've always been a little bit different personality-wise and everything, but uh, the GPs, those first three rounds were just so cool. Like, I never really traveled outside the U.S. much. So, um, going to those three races just really opened my eyes to, you know, the whole world. And Mm -hmm. also watching guys like Caroli and stuff was just um, amazing. Like, I loved their style and um, was really just interested in the whole GP thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I just felt like, yeah it clicked real real well with my personality and i wanted to travel see the world and more so in like uh um like life in general and not really racing aspect i think mm-hmm. it was just mm-hmm. a good experience that not many 16 17 year olds get so yeah, i jumped sure. on it
0: i think uh i mean shoot, we've talked several times like when you come home back to the states but uh it's pretty awesome that you got to see the world or you're getting to see the world mm-hmm for free essentially as part of your job. And like, I mean, dirt bikes are taking you around the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think the first couple of years, that was kind of my mentality. Like I was mm-hmm. just stoked to be traveling to all these places, you know, riding these cool tracks, meeting cool people and mm-hmm. everything. And then um, after that kind of wore off, I was really focused on, you know, I want to win a world championship. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those last two, three years I was in Europe, I, was, I felt like I was really focused and, um, unfortunately never was able to put a whole season together you know uh to come out with the championship but um I, I really enjoyed you know competing with those guys and you know on all different types of tracks and places mm-hmm. you know it was cool.
0: Okay but you have tasted victory <laughs> on the world championship circuit right? Yeah. Do you have two or three wins?
1: Uh four of believe. Okay. Yeah
0: but uh the GPs I know like I've been to several of them it's like they seem so much bigger than the American nationals. Would you agree? Like,
1: Yeah, it's weird because in everyone's head, you know, it seems like the American rounds are bigger, like more famous, more prestigious, you know? Mm-hmm. But when you go to a GP in Italy or France, any of those European ones, um, it just feels, yeah, like you said, it feels really big. And mm-hmm. um, I think they run the races really well. And the fans, I think probably what makes it feel like that is um, just the fans help. So crazy, yeah. right? They're just insane. Like. They live for it, you know. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so you started off uh, with the Kawasaki team there, and I think I believe you transitioned to the Husqvarna team after that, right? Yep. And then uh, for 2019, I think you surprised a lot of people by coming to the States. Um, like I know when I heard the announcement, I was like, what? Thomas, you have like yep. unfinished business in the GPs. You got to be the next American champion, you know? Yeah. Um, what was it about the opportunity to come do Supercross and Motocross in the U.S. that, you know, lured you over?
1: Yeah, well, my contract was ending over there, um, leaving me with one year left in MX2, so um, I really wanted an MXGP deal, um, you know, with a factory team. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point in time, Husqvarna wasn't able to promise me a spot on their uh, factory team, 450, mm-hmm. the year after. So. Um, that's when, you know, Bob, I've been talking to Bobby for a couple of years probably, he's always kind of joked around about me coming back and uh, mm-hmm. always had a really good relationship with him. So um, he was again like calling me, you know, bugging me, like, hey, you need to come back, like ride for us, race Supercross, all that. So um, then it got real serious when I raced Des nations uh, 2017, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was really like um, pushing hard for it. so. Um, but I still struggled with it. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to give up my last year in the MX2, you know. But then when uh, when they weren't able to come through with the MXGP deal, I was like, mm, I'd rather take the deal with Bobby rather than you know ride for a second tier team in the mm-hmm. uh, 450 class. So
0: I'm surprised that you wouldn't have had a better offer in Europe because you were, I mean, in my eyes, you were one of the top contenders yeah. in the MX2.
1: Um, I don't remember exactly when it was when I went down, but maybe I was having a tough you know a few races or something like that Uh, you never know just how it goes sometimes in the sport but um yeah i think yeah that's what it was because at the beginning of the season uh i'd just come back from knee surgery um Mm -hmm. where i'd injured at destinations and uh didn't do too well at the first few races of that season and so i think husky was a bit worried and then uh Actually, when I would made the decision to come back to the US and announced it, that's when I think my mom was a little bit freer, like, hey, this is the last time I'm going to be racing at these places. Mm-hmm. Um, I better like give it all I got. So that's when I started winning all these races. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then uh, we had spoken. You said once the news came out that you're coming back, all the, all the fans in Europe and everything were yeah. like, <laughs> like a Thomas Covington jersey was one of the most sought after things, right?
1: Oh, true. Yeah, I remember telling you about that, yeah. Every race I go to, like so many people bugging me for jerseys because you know they thought they probably won't ever see me again. So, yeah, um, that was really cool. I think that's probably what made my last year so much fun. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the fans were really cool, and just um, also just everybody wishing me luck in America. And I think they all wanted to like cheer me on, yeah, when I got back home.
0: Okay, so coming back to the states, um, see how old are you now? 23. 23, so mm-hmm. 23 you're essentially learning supercross, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what was that like? I mean, like guys, like yesterday or, or this week, I was with the Geico Honda guys and you got mm-hmm. Shimoda and Mumford and they're ripping on supercross tracks at their yeah. age already. What was it like trying to learn at 23? Not that 23 is old, but it's a little older compared to the young guys that are.
1: Yeah, and I see now a lot of the young kids coming up are riding a lot more supercross than they mm-hmm. used to. Even when I was coming up, you know, Nobody really had supercross tracks for practice on, but now you see Deegan and all these guys yeah. have their own little supercross tracks I think uh, Jet Reynolds I think yeah. he's got one. So that's cool to see. Um, but yeah, for me I never touched supercross track <laughs> until I came back this year. So um, I think I did do Monster Cup a couple of times in mm-hmm. amateur class, but that was about the extent of my supercross experience. Yeah. Um, but actually, uh, coming back from Europe I had a lot of confidence coming in and um, Took to it really quick surprisingly you know. Um mm-hmm. I felt good straight away and lap times were you know decent compared to my teammates um mm-hmm. at the test tracks and uh then in December um had my first big get off you know in the whoops and got a little bone bruise in my femur that was mm-hmm. really painful for a long time it was like it probably bugged me most of the year um, you know <laughs> I was glad I didn't break my femur, but mm-hmm. in some ways it was like worse, it took so long it's sore for forever and um, I kept kind of like hitting that every time I'd you know, jump a little bit too far on something or make any mistake and uh, that's when they pushed me to East Coast mm-hmm. and uh, then before East Coast had another big get off and uh, chipped my teeth <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was kind of beat up and then obviously Supercross season didn't go as well as I'd hoped and uh, you know, probably due to the kind of nagging injuries that I had, my knee and the mm-hmm. femur and probably just getting a little bit timid too after the crashes that I'd had. Yeah, um, Kind of knocked my confidence a bit. But, um, you know, after I tweaked my knee the last time, uh, we just decided to, you know, focus on outdoors and mm-hmm. do this thing. And um, that's when I actually went down to Baker's and started preparing for outdoors because I yeah. was like, I have to make this work. Like I need to win this championship. And uh, so I was just doing everything I could. and. I noticed like, um, I wasn't feeling great after a couple weeks of training. And uh, um, I just thought like, oh, I'm just getting used to the new program, you know. Um, I'll, like my body will come around, and, you know, they just, just mm-hmm. keep pushing, push through it. So I kept going and, you know, training with Johnny and everything, I'm no stranger to hard work. Yeah. Um, you know, the program was probably less than what I was doing uh, with Johnny. So mm-hmm. um, it was strange to me that I wasn't able to do these things that were like, uh, part of a, my normal training routine are easier than what I was doing in Europe or mm-hmm. with Johnny. And um, so, yeah, I never really figured anything was wrong though. You know, I thought this Epstein-Barr thing, I wasn't really sure if it was even a real thing, you know, yeah. you see so many people talk about it. So um, I just kind of kept pushing through it, like kind of ignoring the fact that I didn't feel good, just like, no, nah, I'm fine. And uh, then after the first couple of rounds, I'm like, man, like something's up. Like I don't feel like myself. So I like took the week off before Colorado, like basically laid in bed the whole week mm-hmm. and then went to Colorado and uh, yeah, just didn't feel good at all. I was like, I don't feel like myself. Something's got to be up. And uh, I spoke to, to a doctor at the race and he's like, um, told me I needed to get a blood test. And um, that week's when, yeah, he called me. He's like, hey, test positive for mm-hmm. epstein Bar, and your testosterone like, non-existent hgh is non-existent like um hormones were just out of balance mm-hmm. so um that's when i decided like the doctor said I, you need to take like you know four to six months just rest yeah or else you're going to do you know long-term damage so uh that's when we decided to just call it mm-hmm. and uh after that it was just a string of <laughs> doctors appointments and like calling people, trying to figure out what's the best like diet, what I need to be eating, supplements, things like that.
0: Yeah. I know that uh coming into the nationals, I was like, Oh, here it goes. Yeah. Here comes Thomas <laughs> Me with too. GP experience and I was like so pumped at Fox Raceway. Yeah. You know, and then I think you struggled a little bit there, I'm like, Oh, the next round. Yeah. You know, but uh yeah, we're all certainly very sad to see it go down the way that it did yeah. I, was, I was looking forward to seeing you strut your stuff so to speak you know
1: yeah yeah like at Fox Raceway I got out to a really good start there and for two laps I was like up and around fifth or something and then I just had nothing left and you know at that point too that was probably one of the main points I was like uh, something's yeah. not right here like I'm used to doing 40 minute motos around Lomel and mm-hmm. can't even do five laps at Paula, you know yeah
0: yeah <laughs> so
1: anyway it was a bummer the way it went but It's the way it goes. I think I learned a lot and um, the experience that I gained doing supercross and things like that, I think we're, you know, were awesome. So,
0: um,
1: but now I'm just, I'm looking forward to a fresh start, you know, new bike, new team, everything, and uh, really motivated for this next season.
0: Cool. Hey, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but we'll be back for more with Big Air Tom. Welcome back to the Swap Metal Live Show presented by OGO Power Sports and FMF Racing. Here with Thomas Covington. Um, so, sitting out this summer outdoor nationals with Epstein Bar, super bummer, but you got to do some other things like get married.
1: True, yeah. <laughs> in one way, in my career, you know, it was probably one of the, my worst years. I struggled a lot with a lot of things, but um, in life in general, it was it was great, you know. Um, I met uh, my wife Amy the year before, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up getting married there when I had the time off, and so that was awesome. And uh, yeah, it just puts things in perspective too. You know, um, you know, in such a bad year in my career, it's such an awesome year in mm-hmm. my life in general. So um, I think that's what kept me <laughs> mentally sane as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, having Amy there, and um, yeah, so it's cool to have kind of a partner and everything. And us going back to Europe now, will be, um, you know, based you know, in her mm-hmm. hometown and. Um, I think it'll help a lot having somebody to help me prepare things, you know, travel and all that stuff. And GPs, it's a big ordeal, you know, going to Thailand where it's hard to find food that's not <laughs> going to yeah. make you sick, yeah. you know, the places that we go. So, um, just I mean, somebody especially
0: to now that you've had the Epstein Bar thing, you really have to watch her eat, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, now I'm completely over it at this point and mm-hmm. um, back to my usual training and things like that. So, I'm not too like. You know, worried about eating a diet catered yeah. to epstein Bar or something like that, you know, just my usual training diet. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, uh, so I was talking with your wife while we were getting ready, yeah. and I'm like, dude, your wedding photos, you know, on your Instagram and stuff, yeah. it looks straight out of like a bridal <laughs> magazine or something, right? Like a dream wedding, but yeah. so as you were walking in today to us, we were talking and you met your wife at the GP's. She's, mm-hmm. she's from the UK, right? Yes. Yep. So tell us the little story, that the 50 Cent Rundown.
1: Well, actually, I'd never, I never went up to her and talked to her. I'd seen her around. Mm-hmm. and uh, but Did I was, you slide
0: like, into the DMs?
1: Unfortunately, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll never live that down, actually. Uh, but no, I'd seen her around, like British Superbike and uh, a few things where she was working. and um, But I was too scared to go talk to her and just knew who she was. And then, actually, a friend... Um, Mark Watson. He just called me one day out of the blue, or he sent me a message, he's like, Hey, found the perfect girl for you. I'm like, Yeah, okay, like, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who is it? He's like, Oh, it's Amy. So I was like, Oh, I know she is, so uh, he's like, Yeah, she really likes you and uh wants you to give her a follower and send her a message on Instagram. She didn't say any of those things. <laughs> so I sent her a message, I'm like, Hey, so Mark tells me you're trying to get a follow out of me on Instagram.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what?
1: And she didn't respond for like two or three days I think. Uh-huh. She's like this guy, like typical moto guy. Yeah. But um luckily she gave me a shot. Uh realized I'm not I'm not that bad.
0: <laughs> nice. Okay, so she, uh she relocated to the to the US.
1: Yeah, this, well she's basically back and forth uh-huh. uh most of the year. Um with her job as well. She um helps have a powerboat company with their social media and mm-hmm. digital stuff. So um, it worked out for her to be coming back and forth too. So, and then uh, at this point she's, you know, full time with me until we moved back to mm-hmm. England.
0: Okay, so at the end of uh, essentially this season, 2019, um, I think you decided to part ways with the Rockstar Husky team. Yep. And did a new opportunity in Europe just pop up like that or did you have to seek it out?
1: Uh, not really when I started figuring out that it wasn't going to continue with uh, Husky for next season just started putting some feelers out in GPs see if there's any rides available, you know Cuz mm-hmm. GPs, there's only like a few spots on teams there um, You know and they're really sought after like hard to get mm-hmm. So um, I just kind of put some feelers out there and spoke to Alexander at Yamaha and um, He was really interested in like um, it's really cool of him that he you know still believed in me after the tough year that I had and you know, mm-hmm. um, I still had you know really good results in MX2 and uh, I think he still believed that I could do the same uh, you know good results in MXGP so mm-hmm. um, he kind of made some calls and found that Gavin was interested in doing a deal with me so um, that's kind of how it all came together it took a long time to put all the pieces together but mm-hmm. um, finally I guess uh, a couple months ago kind of into place
0: nice hey what are your thoughts on the age rule uh, for mx2 in the world championships
1: um you know i don't hate it um it makes for really good racing in the 450 class you know yeah um the 450 class is absolutely stacked <laughs> probably the whole top 15 are like yeah. really good guys and um but i don't know i feel like there's a better way to do it um i'm not really sure how how to do it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the point system like America's better, I don't know. Um, but it is kind of a shame because a lot of the guys in the past, you know, um, were world champions when they were, you know, 29, 30 years old on a 250. Like some guys are just better on a 250. Mm-hmm. Um, with me, I'm not too stressed about because I like the 450, I think it suits my riding style.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I definitely think they could, you know, update the rule and make it a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so the new team, yeah, What is it called? We were talk- <laughs> uh,
1: it's called Geben van Veneroy.
0: Okay, Yamaha.
1: Yeah. Yamaha, yeah. They're based in the Netherlands. And um, I never actually met all the guys in person. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always heard really good things about them. And uh, Lapino's had some success with them too. So, yeah. uh, quite so a is it a factory-supported
0: team or is it a factory team?
1: It's a factory-supported team this uh-huh. year uh, for the first time. So yeah. um, I think with the support of Yamaha and, you know, with them having three... You know, solid riders, me, Lupino, and Vlender, and I think they're really motivated to, like, you know, build a solid program. And um, so far, it's been great working with them.
0: You know, it's funny, uh, last night in preparation for today, I, like, Googled Thomas Covington 2020, you know, <laughs> to find out the name of your team. Yeah. And this article comes up, I think it was on Dirt Bike Rider.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> and
0: uh, I'm, like, reading the <laughs> team. All. I'll never remember that or <laughs> figure out how to pronounce it. But it was funny because it's a story and there's like a picture of like four guys shaking hands all pumped. Yeah. And I'm zooming in, I'm all, hey, not one of those is Thomas. No. So yeah, you no, think no, nothing. Yeah.
1: picture was just the guy the team, you know, team yeah. manager and those guys So Um because all of us live in different places. I live mm. here and then uh Vlandern's and I think he's in Holland, I believe, and then mm. Lupino's in uh Italy. So I guess they couldn't arrange for us all to be in one place for a team photo just yet. So, uh, But I plan to go over there in January and we'll do the photo shoot and get some testing in and everything like that.
0: Cool. So will you be based in the Netherlands where the team is or are you going to be in the UK with your wife's family?
1: Um, a little bit of both, probably 50-50. Um, we're, we're probably going to stay in England, but we're going to get like a van camper thing and then... We'll be driving around wherever we need to be. Really, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I've got friends in, in Holland we can stay with, and uh, but really just kind of doing the van life yeah. for the most part. You know, it'll be nice to take it to the races because it's so cold there, especially in the winter. Like training in January, February, mm-hmm. it's nice to have like Camper at the track where she can be in there making a cup of tea or something while I'm out doing my motors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm yeah, uh, looking forward to that.
0: Cool. Well, hey, let's take another quick break, but. Uh We'll be back for one last segment with Thomas. Hey, welcome back to the a Live Show presented by Ogeo Power Sports and FMF Racing. Um, here with Thomas Covington, and the last thing you said was van life, right? Van so, <laughs> was it kind of weird coming to the uh, AMA Nationals and having the big semi and the, uh, everyone in motor coaches and everything, when the GPS is so? It seems more like grassroots, like uh, I guess you know, uh, in campers and vans and stuff.
1: I mean, uh, actually, the team that I rode for, you know, in GPS, the truck mm-hmm. was. Um, bigger than the truck we have here yeah because the you have all the mechanics they sleep yeah um in the truck every weekend and they travel you know everywhere they don't fly back home Mm -hmm. every weekend so it needs to sleep like six seven people really yeah wow so uh the big truck part and the trailer is uh massive so um that wasn't much of a difference Mm -hmm. i guess um yeah i guess there's a lot more people that camp out you know the amateur classes and things like that but um for the most part the pits or the paddock whatever you want to call it uh it's pretty similar Mm -hmm. um but at the gps it's a bit more um permanent like we're there for three or four days Mm -hmm. so
0: but you guys like well like you said you're are you going to have the van and stay at the track through the race
1: yeah well at the uh at the local ones anyway yeah the flyway inside europe europe we'll probably drive to those um if they're not too far but uh, yeah, that's what I mean. It'll be nice to have that there just to go back to my own space and my own thing mm-hmm. and everything like that. It'd be nice because in um, the team truck, like I said, everyone stays in there. So it's kind of like a community locker place. Right? Hard to get some quiet time. So same in, in America though, it's kind of hard to like pull yourself away and lock yourself up in the semi sometimes. So mm-hmm. uh, it's cool to have your own space.
0: Yeah, I think uh, well the flyway races. And you've always done good at the flyway races, mm. right? Those that's where many of your wins have come? Uh two. like Mexico and Yeah. Qatar.
1: I do remember. Two Two of my wins were at Mexico, one in France. Oh, and the other one in Turkey, yeah. So that was yeah. kinda like a flyaway too. Yeah.
0: yeah. But uh I remember when I I mean I'm actually super stoked that I got to go to the Thailand G P. Yeah. And I got to see yeah, Ryanville photos like <laughs> only G P win, right? Yeah. But it was so weird how you guys were all in that, like, one air-conditioned room.
1: Oh, yeah, that remember was that? weird, yeah. And it was,
0: like, you know, guys right next to each other on lawn chairs, right? Yeah,
1: yeah that wasn't normal. <laughs>
0: oh, it wasn't? Okay.
1: <laughs> no, like, I think because of the extreme temperatures, yeah. that's why we were like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Thailand one always is a little bit, I don't know, I'd say it's nicely, like, a little bit janky, but yeah. um, it's all part of the GP <laughs> experience. Yeah, and I know? just
0: remember the... Uh, the Ice bath that was outside, like everyone was yep. using the same one. I was like, ah,
1: yeah, it's gross. And I've been sick way too many times in Thailand, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not always like that, you know. There might be one round, you know, if they're going to a new place, they don't really know what to expect sometimes, like mm-hmm. we were that year. Um, but yeah, that's what I mean. You just got to be ready for anything, really, like mm-hmm. pack your own food if you have to, you know. Some sometimes we go places and it's so nice, like, um. Really nice restaurants, hotels, Mm -hmm. awesome, like, good places. But then other times, it's just like, you don't want to eat anywhere or touch anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I I will say that the best hamburger I've ever had in my life was in the hotel in Thailand. Really? (laughs) It was so good. But then at the same time, you know, we walked around and saw the street food and stuff, and I was super sketched out. Like, I'm not eating that.
1: Yeah, my dad was all over the street food. (laughs) He (laughs) was. uh, He was pumped. (laughs) Yeah. What
0: what was the... uh, What's the craziest location you've been to in your GP career so far?
1: Um, craziest, probably the one that you came to, you know? We, we yeah. all stayed in Bangkok, so um, that was the craziest one. I mean, probably one of the most fun ones though, like mm-hmm. just cool experience to see the culture and everything. Um, but probably the coolest place, it's like Argentina. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a place you'd never go there like on vacation from America, it's just too far. Yeah. Um, but once you get there, it's so nice. And just like uh, really authentic, like just kind of mountain village mm-hmm. there. Um, and the track's awesome. People are really cool. And uh, actually a lot of fans show up. I remember that year Villapoto came, we had like 40, 50,000 people there. It was insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Thailand was crazy. Like, yeah. did you take any tuk-tuk rides? Yeah, definitely. Did the little <laughs> three wheel taxi guys?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I was just well, like, at one point, I was like, man, if you'd have told me one day I'd be in Thailand with Ryan Villapoto <laughs> in a tuk-tuk shopping for fake Louis Vuitton purses yeah. and fake Rolexes, I would have never believed it, right?
1: Yeah, my first year in Thailand, um, we had a tuk-tuk race out at the track, <laughs> like on the Friday before it was like a media event or yeah. something like that. So we had Coroli and like DeSalle, everybody out there were like racing these tuk-tuks in an oval, just oh like smashing God. into each other. Uh, that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. So looking forward to 2020, you're on this uh, Yamaha team that I can't pronounce. Yep. Um, <laughs> Gavin. What are, the, what are the specifics like? I see so you got a monster hat on. Yeah. Will you be a monster athlete there? Is it a team yeah, or is so it a personal thing?
1: It's just a personal thing. Yeah. Um, monster helmet deal. And then uh, Pro Circuit's going to be doing our engines. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, obviously supported by Yamaha as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Salva suspension, Italian suspension brand. Uh, The
0: components or tuning? Tuning. Okay.
1: So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to working with them. uh, Already talking to them quite a bit, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get my bike here out in as much as I can.
0: (laughs) Nice. What kind of uh, gear are you gonna wear? Uh,
1: Moose gear, Suomi helmet, um, and Garnet boots. Okay. So, goggles, still undecided, so. Yeah. We'll see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you talked to friends on the gp circuit are, are people stoked that you're coming back
1: yeah definitely um i think they're all pretty happy that i'm coming back yeah. i mean for sure they wanted to see me do well here but um i think they're excited to have you know an american back in the premier class yeah because it's uh-huh. um you know Poto came over um that year and did i think four races
0: four, four and they po- out
1: yeah <laughs> yeah um anyway i think it's been a while since they've had like a solid premier class American yeah. in the class. So. It was always
0: exciting for me to, you know, follow the GPs, mostly because mm-hmm. I was following you, you know, because, like, yeah. you know, wanted, wanted to see an American do well, and uh, it's super cool for me now. Like, I'm going to have an American guy to root for in an XGP. Yeah,
1: hopefully I can stay up towards the front and get some TV time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said, the, the class is really stacked, so uh, it's definitely going to be... Gonna be tough, so mm-hmm. um, I think the next few months for me, are, for me are super important, mm-hmm. um, just to get as much speed as I can before that first round.
0: Yeah, uh, what are your expectations, and what are you thinking about racing against Caroli and Hurlings and all these guys?
1: Yeah, for sure. it's kind of like you know when I first went to MX2, I'd race against Hurlings and yeah. uh, a lot of the guys who are top MX2 guys now.
0: So. You've beat Hurlings.
1: Yeah, I guess <laughs> you right? could say that. Yeah. In the sand. And yeah, in and, the yeah. sand, yeah. But, um, yeah, not many people can say that, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, he only crashed like three times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, um, I'm looking forward to it there. I think yeah. it's gonna be a good challenge. And, um, you know, a lot of the young guys coming from MX2, like Geyser and uh, Sewer are doing super well. I mean, especially Geyser's first year won the championship. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's cool to see, because I feel like I was competitive with Sewer and those guys in MX2, so. Um, hopefully I can continue that in MXGP. I mean, um, for the first year, I'd, I'll be happy if I can, you know, consistently be in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's realistic for me.
0: Cool. All right. I have one request. Yeah. Be really active on Instagram. Cause <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's the easiest way to follow you, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's honestly, to... i have taken kind of a break. Oh, yeah.
0: Obviously right now. Yeah.
1: Cause... Kind of a break from the whole social media thing. I don't even go on it that much anymore, but oh. I'm going to start... Yeah. Coming in hot, building up to the season. So you got
0: to let the uh, Americans follow you. Yeah?
1: I got to let you guys follow along in the, the van life across Europe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, dude. Uh, we're out of time, but thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah. best of luck next year.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Look Enjoyed forward
0: it. to following the adventures of uh, Big Air Tom.
1: All right, sounds good.
0: Hey, thanks for watching. Uh, be sure to check out SwapMotoLive.com for a lot of amazing content. And uh, follow Thomas, Instagram, at Big Air Tom. Yeah. Right?
1: Yep, yeah, that's Big it. Big Air.
0: <laughs> so uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.